The Winner's Circle by Grande Sports Training, a podcast where we dive deep into the mindset of professional soccer players. Today's guest is a special guy back from my hometown. He's been doing a lot on the field, but he's also been doing a lot off the field. Hugh Roberts, how are you doing today, my man? I'm good, my man. Thanks for having me. It's an honor to be here. No, nah, thank you for, you know, giving us your time to speak. And, you know, I'm really excited to hear your story and, you know, all the experiences that you had to go through to get to playing at Charlotte Independence now, right? How's that going for you? Yes, How long sir. have you been playing there? This is my third year coming up. Uh, it's my eighth year as a pro, bro. So I've been all over the place, honestly, grinding here, grinding through this journey and everything, man. It's been good, though. I enjoy it here. That's awesome, man. So I know you just mentioned that it's been your eighth year playing professionally. What what is the biggest thing that you've taken away from those eight years as a professional soccer player? Honestly, man, it's gonna come. I'm sure people have heard it all all the time, but it's really gonna come down to how bad you want it. Like honestly, I would not be here if I didn't put the time in by myself. Not a trainer, not you know, going with your homies, doing touches, like literally by myself with a wall and a ball type thing. You know what I mean? Like. You can see all the YouTube things. You can see the flashy videos, the stepovers. I was a striker my whole life, then I got moved to a center back in college. So I know how it is on the attacking side when you, you know you see the goals and everything. But it really comes down to the little mechanics of your first touch, your decision making. The decision making and the, and the technical abilities is really the difference between like an MLS caliber person and you. Yes, like you have to have the technical ability, and then you have to have the IQ to know how to play left and right out of your pocket, check the shoulder kind of thing. But all of that come down to you and yourself studying a game like I can't even watch a soccer game without studying my position and just watching the game normally like I have to see the little intricate plays between the lines the passing the turns like everything that's how I really analyze the games now just so I can better myself you know I love that man so it just it just comes down to just spending time with the ball man right yeah basically so that leads me to my next question so you know since this podcast is called the winner's circle I kind of want to hear your definition of what being a winner is. Yeah, being a winner is never giving up, never quitting, honestly, even when it comes down to the last minutes. I, I consider myself kind of like a clutch player, if that makes sense. Or mo- if you look through my career, most of my goals have been like within the last like three minutes kind of thing. And that's, that's just who I am. It's never over literally until the last whistle blows. And, you know, being a winner, you're going to face a lot of losses. And a lot of losses is good honestly of course we don't like to lose and I hate losing every loss I've had I've hated it but every loss that I've had has also been a lesson for me to you know improve myself so let's say I lost in a game 3-0 I'm like okay well I might not be that bad of a defender but maybe I got to talk to my teammates more maybe I have to get better playing two touches playing one touch like every game is for it's almost a lesson for a reason for you to look back on it look at your mistakes and how can you improve that's the only way you're going to get better within yourself and be a winner is to keep improving because everyone's getting better around you. I'm telling you, there's kids right now who are training as we speak right now. So you really have to continuously upgrading yourself and, you know, just studying the game on and off the field and, you know, improving yourself, just training by yourself, really. I love that. I love that answer, Hugh. That's that's really important, to be honest. I know we've heard it multiple times growing up, and I know the kids now, players now are hearing it multiple times, but sometimes you got to right. hear it at least a hundred times coming from different right. people, right? Until it right, finally right. sticks out one time. So here, let's bring it back. Let's bring it back to the day that you first started playing the game. The first day you touched the ball, what are your earliest memories of uh, playing the beautiful game? 
Yeah, so my dad, I'm Jamaican, half Jamaican. My dad's from Jamaica. He actually went to NC State out here. So he's really been playing like his whole life, men's league, that kind of thing. So as early as probably like three, four years old kind of thing, I was around him being like the little ball boys, watching his games, kicking the ball with him. And then I played really just rec soccer. I wasn't in no academy or anything fancy. My dad and his coworker just put a team together. And we, I really just played rec soccer. I'm from D.C., so up there it's called like the MSI League, which is this recreational soccer in the, in the county area. So I played that all the way until like fifth or sixth grade. And then at that point, you know, my father was like, you know, it's time for you to make the leap to like a select team kind of thing. Went to some trials, made my first travel team in sixth grade was Potomac Cougars at the time. Played with them from sixth to ninth grade. And then ninth grade was the academy. The academy system just started forming when I was in high school. And we became the Potomac Academy. And all this time, I'm, I'm a striker the whole time, my whole life scoring goals. I went to a private high school as a striker as well. Um, had 33 goals my senior year in high school, broke records kind of thing. Got recruited to George Mason University out of uh, the academy. Went to George Mason University, played striker as my, my freshman year. Then my sophomore year, I got switched to a center back. That was a whole adjustment for me too. Because again, like literally my instincts as a striker, I have to literally throw everything away and learn the complete opposite position as a center back now. So kind of, it, it flustered me a lot. And I really didn't honestly settle in as a center back until probably like my third year as a professional. Um, it, was, it was a lot of learning for me, especially those first, that first two years in Richmond. Um, I'll, I'll, get, I'll get to that. So get from George Mason, um, when the A-10 is my senior year, I didn't get drafted or anything. I went to the InfoSport Combine in Florida, drove down with some of my boys. It was actually, anyone who's listening, don't go to the InfoSport Combine. It's a waste of time. They're not going to, you're supposed to get a report card and everything. I didn't get anything and they just took my money. So then we went up. Um, I went to, to Rochester Rhinos at the time in the USL, went to their open trial, got cut, went to the Harrisburg City Islanders, who was in the USL at the time, went there for like six weeks in a row. I'm commuting from college from Virginia got cut as well. And then I go to the Richmond kickers um, to their open tryouts. And they, after the open trial weekend, they asked me to come to preseason for like two weeks, did well in preseason. And I signed my first contract that way. Signed a year and two year option. They picked up my two year option. So I was there for three years total. Was a uh, defender of the year finalist in 2016, first team all league in 16. And then went from there to Philadelphia Union within their organization, went to the Bethlehem Steel Played there for a year, went to Pittsburgh in 2018, did well there as well. Um, then came here in 2019 to Charlotte in the Independence. So been all over the place a little bit. Love it. So you just gave us a quick rundown of your whole career. And I'm going to bring you back to when you started when you started being the ball boy with your dad. Do you think being in that environment, just watching your dad play, like impacted you, how much you cared for the game, how much you loved the game? Because I know there, yeah, there's players that, that have like older brothers, they have older sisters, they might have their dad, their mom or cousins that are playing the game and they're like, oh, you know, the curiosity sparks and then I want to play. And then there's other right. people that are like, oh, I'm not, I'm not going to play that game. Like, I don't like soccer. I don't like playing. So what would you say? Uh, how did it happen for you? Yeah, it was definitely because my father, uh, definitely from the earliest age I can remember, I had a ball in my hand with him playing at the house, kicking around the house all the time. That's one of the great things of soccer. You just need a ball and you can kick around anywhere. So I was literally playing in the basement with him all the time. My boys, as early as I can remember, <clears throat> basketball, I mean, sorry, not basketball, soccer has been a big part of my life. And that's definitely due to my father. I go to Jamaica, Jamaica with him too. And, you know, when you're in a 
smaller country, everyone just loves the game of soccer. You know how it is. So that kind of intrigued me as well. Cause I'm like, all right, cool. It might not be big in, you know, the States, but in the rest of the world, the sport's huge. And just to be able to speak that language worldwide, I've, I've traveled to Spain and see kids playing soccer that could just hop in. And kids would be like, oh my gosh, like, you know, soccer. And they're surprised because they see me knowing how to play soccer. And I'm like, yeah, bro, like, of course. And then, you know, you just speak that universal language and you create that unity and love, bro. It, it speaks volumes, man. So definitely I'm thankful for that whole time, um, early age for me, getting involved with the game because that definitely sparked my interest early and got me to where I am today. That's awesome. So after you were playing, you know, an MSI league, the recreational league, and you made that jump to a select team, what would you say the biggest difference was difference was for you? Like, what was the biggest change that you had to adjust to at that age? I know we're speaking, right, like 11, 12, 13 years old. You know, your mindset yeah. is still somewhere else and obviously where it is today. But if you can remember what what was going through your mind jumping from rec to competitive now. Yeah, man, it was it was a big leap for me. Honestly, I'll never forget when I made the team. I, I was sitting there watching soccer one day on the TV and I was like, man, like, I'm actually going to have to learn how to play real soccer. And I knew at an early age, rec soccer was a joke. I was literally just taking the ball as a defender and just dribbling through everybody, scoring goals. And I loved it. It was easy. And I was like, I never want to stop doing rec soccer because I'm the man kind of thing. Yeah. And then I, I always knew, though, it wasn't real soccer because I would watch soccer on TV and be like, we don't play like that at all. There's no yeah. way I can just dribble through everybody. So when I made this select team, I was like, man, like, I'm actually going to have to play real soccer now. And so I was very intimidated, to be honest with you. Um, but I'm a competitor and, you know, I love to win and I love to get better. And if someone's better than me, it just fuels me more to get better on my own and work by myself. So when I come to practice the next day, I'm even better kind of thing. So, you know, it was scary. It's intimidating. But if you're a competitor and you know that you're good and you know you can do these things, like go for it and keep doing that. And at the end of the day, the talent, the most talented always rise to the top. The cream always rises to the top kind of thing. So. And, yeah, and where fun. where would you say that you got that competitive nature from? Was it from your family? Was it from watching TV, or it just it just naturally came to you? What do you think it was? That's a good question, man. That's a good question. Um, I, I guess it might start it might start within my dad because he was an athlete himself as a competitor, but definitely my mom as well. She's a strong-willed woman who doesn't really back down from things. So I think I had had that in, inside of me as well. Um, I, have two, I have two younger siblings too. So just to have them around kind of use me as fuel to like do better and compete and, you know, always make sure when they look at me as like the big brother, they see me in a good light kind of thing. But I don't know, I, I, I'm, I've always been an underdog. I've always had something to prove. So coming from understanding that my father didn't really know soccer like that around here, seeing that all these guys were on the select teams and I was on the rec team. I was like, you know, I, I have to go. I, I got to keep going. I got to prove myself and make a name for myself. So even now I'm still like, I got to prove myself and make a name for myself. So I've always literally had that mentality since a little boy where I was like, if I'm going to reach the big stage, I have to prove it to everybody that I can do this thing. So, and I, I, I really did understand that very young in elementary because I wasn't on the best teams at all. So I knew in order for me to do this thing, I, I really had to prove it to everybody. I think it's so important that you touched on that because I feel like being the underdog or at least telling yourself that you always have something to prove, that you always have to level up is super important to keep yourself moving forward, to keep yourself motivated, right? right? Even though you right. do achieve that one goal, let's say, there's always another goal within that goal. And then you just keep right. moving up, right. keep moving up, exactly. keep moving up. Like you're never, you're never 
settling. You're never complacent with where you are now. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And that's so interesting right. that you had that at such a young age, you know, because a lot of a lot of players develop that later in their careers. You know, mm -hmm. at a young age, it's mm -hmm. just like, oh, I didn't make the team like whatever, you know. Mm -hmm. Right. So. All right. So, Hugh, so after you, you know, you settled in into the competitive team, you're playing, you went to high school. When did you feel like you actually learned the game and you started just like killing it? You know, when did you tell yourself, like, I, I can make a career out of this? Like, I'm, I'm good. Like, at, at what age and what moment did you tell yourself what, what came across your mind? Probably, you know, probably, probably like sophomore sophomore junior year of high school I was doing I was in a private school league that's probably one of the top five leagues in the country is very competitive and I was doing pretty well for myself but I, I honestly like I always had dreams of doing it but everyone around me was getting called up to the U17 national team all these national teams all these invites all these you know I got cut from ODP when I was a freshman in high school as well and ODP was just was bigger than academy at the time ODP was the next step to go to regionals and the national teams at that time so I got cut from the 92s all my boys literally all my boys made it and so that sucked too but I was really just like you know whatever like I'm not saying it's not meant for me but maybe I got a different route kind of thing so I've always wanted to do it I just didn't know 100% if I could I knew I was going to need help if that makes sense. I knew I couldn't do this by myself. I knew I need contacts. I knew I, you know, how political the soccer game here is in the States, you know what I'm saying? So you always need some kind of pedigree or some kind of accolade on your resumes for someone to look at you. So, you know, I always knew I could do it and I knew I wanted to do this. Um, I just knew it, I was going to need some help on it. So, you know, um, yeah, yeah, probably as early as sophomore year, I was starting to do, started to do well for myself, but I definitely knew that it wasn't going to be something easy that, you know, just because I was on, I was never on the national teams or anything. So I, I can't tell you here straight up right now that, you know, I was on the national team. So I just knew it. Nah, that wasn't me. I knew I was the underdog. So I knew I was, I, was, I knew I could do this and I knew how to work very hard for, the, for this. I, it just wasn't like right there in grass because I was on the national team, if that makes sense. So you just touched on something really important about, how all your boys made these big teams, big call-ups, past these trials. I think that also probably influenced you and in having that competitive nature because you were surrounded by that at such a young That's age. That's true. That's true. You know what I mean? Very true. Very I, true. I always speak about the importance of creating your environment where, you know, even though you are by yourself, you can surround yourself you know, social media of just like like-minded people that just want to win. True. If, true. you know, if you realize that the friends you're having right now aren't performing the way they should be or aren't doing the things that they should be doing, it doesn't necessarily have to be soccer, but it could be whatever it is in their right. industry. Right. They got to be winning. Right? right. So, right. Right. Hence why we named this the winner circle. Right. Cause I want everybody <laughs> in my circle to be winning, you know, but right. It's, it's, right. it's amazing how, you know, you had all these players around you just doing big things at such a young age. And that just drove you to keep going, keep going, keep going. Right. So, right. so around that age, when you did realize that, you know, you know, you were doing well, you know, you were performing in high school. How, how did the whole call up to college happen? How did they scout you? How did they see you? How did they contact you? What was yeah, the process so I was like? Playing, I was playing Academy at the time for Potomac Academy. So with the, if you're on an academy team, you go to a couple of showcases, um, definitely like U16. I went out to Florida. 
went out to North Carolina for a big showcase. You go to a good amount of showcases early on with the academy system. So thankfully, you know, not just with showcases, every game you go into and playing against DC United, Red Bulls, and all these good MLS academy teams. So when you go to the academy games like that, there's usually some college team um, scouts there as well. And college scouts will come out and look at you as well. And then usually through your academy coach, he has, my coach at the time was a Georgetown assistant coach. So, you know, he had great contacts with Georgetown already, a lot of the local mm-hmm. schools, your coach usually as well. And the academy team knows a bunch of college um, coaches as well. So if you do well, he can call them up and refer you to anybody, really. So the academy definitely helped me. Um, high school, high school, and that's why I think that's kind of why they dropped it now, because high school isn't as big in terms of recruiting. So after I committed to Mason, you know, my coach came to my high school and saw me, but he was the only coach that ever came to see me at my high school. It's always because of the club and the academy thing. So, but even now, you know, academy is big, but I still tell kids now, you don't necessarily have to be on the academy team just to make it. Like you can really be on almost any decent club team that's in the right environment, that's still competing at the highest level. You don't have to be on the best team. As long as you're in that environment, and you're doing well for yourself, you will stand out and you will get recognized regardless. Well, a couple of questions for you, Q. How did you go about placing yourself into those clubs that could potentially be seen by a, a college or university? Did you know the process? Did you just go try out? Was it because your boys were doing it and you're like, oh, I got to get on this too? Like, well, what was what was it like? Yeah, it's definitely because of friends. Um, you know, like I said, my dad's Jamaican. He really didn't know anything out here, and I really didn't know much out here either. Um, so, you know, doing a little well for myself in the rec system, you get referred to by a couple of other friends and stuff. Your friends keep talking like, yo, like, there's this new academy team forming. Like, I'm thinking about trying out, you know, why don't, when's the date? Oh, okay, cool. I might try it myself. You definitely talk to your boys and peers and see when other trials are going on and stuff like that. Now with social media, you can check the IGs and check the websites and stuff and mm-hmm. see the trial dates. But I really just through friends just asking like, yo, when so-and-so date for this club going to happen? If you want to make another team, like you might not have a boy on the team. Maybe you can hit the coach up or something. But definitely, I'm sure there's some kind of information in regards to trials. But even just ask a friend of a friend kind of thing like, yo, can you find out for me when's the next trial for such and such? And that's really how I did it. And I just went to trials and made it kind of thing. That's awesome. And then... When you did go to these showcases, what was your mindset like? Was it like, I need to make sure I get seen by by coaches? Or I just need to perform well? Were you nervous? Were you afraid that's, to perform? Like, what what was it? That's the biggest thing, man. And the biggest thing at the end of the day, like even when you get an agent, he can put you in front of the door. Like, you have to perform still at the end of the day. So at the end of the day, for me, like, I, I, I won't lie to you, even as a pro, like I'll get a little anxious and nervous before games Like you get those butterflies still. And that's perfectly fine. But when that whistle blew every time, everything goes away instantly. And it's almost like I'm playing in my backyard kind of thing. So you really have to just have faith. I'm, I don't know if like some people are religious or not, but I really I'm a faithful guy. And I really just have faith amongst myself and my abilities. Just like whistle blew like and it's nothing. Of course, you want to get looked at by the college coaches, but don't do anything that's not within your abilities. That's the number one thing. You have to show your strengths even more and kind of hide your weaknesses, if that makes sense. You have to be very smart about these things because you don't want to kill yourself. You don't want to do 30 step over just some random stuff just because you're trying to impress people. Like coaches can see you when you're doing some random stuff just to impress them. Like stay within your game, show your strengths even more. 
maybe show some things that you've been working on and stuff, but play within your game. That's big. Um, and then definitely it depends on what position. So for me as a center back, even when I was trying out with the USL as a center back, I'm like, you know, no one's getting past me kind of thing. I guess people have scored on me, of course, you know, but when you have that mentality from the jump that no one's getting past me as a center back, like you're going to make it very hard for people. And you're going to show that every day, like no one's getting past you. Then you just tell yourself and remind yourself little pointers before you start. Like for me as a center back, I'm like, okay, I'm playing a one touch, two touch, check your shoulders every time. So I'm talking to myself, like, huge, check your shoulders, check your shoulders, check my shoulders. Boom. Guys open instantly. And I look so good. and I'm so calm, but all I did was check my shoulders. You know what I'm saying? I'm playing my huge one touch, two touch. Okay. So I'll play a good one touch ball, a good two touch ball. And everyone's like, Oh, huge, great. Blah, 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 blah. I'm just like, you know, I'm thinking about these things already. So it's very important from the mental side to, you know, have the notes of what you're going to do, remind yourself in the middle of the game, like, all right, Hugh, keep it simple. If I'm doing too much, Hugh, calm down, relax, breathe, like keep that thing simple kind of thing. So, you know, just staying within your realm is very important. So the, these are all things that you tell yourself. These are yeah, conversations yeah. that you're having with yourself within the yep. game, within trainings. Yep. Yeah. That's amazing, yep. man. That's awesome. Even now as a pro. Yeah, I think that's amazing. I think that's super important because I feel like sometimes you can tell when a player is just like going through the motions and not really thinking, right? Right. Like right. You, you can tell. And, and even at, at a high level, <laughs> like when you notice that a player isn't thinking, isn't checking their shoulder, boom, that's when I attack. That's when I'm taking advantage yeah. of your mistake, right? Yep, exactly. And exactly. Uh, at a youth level, you know, now, you know, you can tell when you watch these youth games that, there's a lot of players that don't think. They just pass the ball to pass. They just dribble to dribble, right? right? right so right, it's, right. it's 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 amazing to hear that from you, from a professional center back, that these conversations still go on constantly yep. in your head mm-hmm. during games. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. So, Hugh, after your academy, you got um, recruited to go to George Mason. You killed it at George Mason. Did great things over there. And then... Got your first professional contract after going through a lot of tryouts. So could you walk right. us through that real quick? How the experience was for you making that jump yeah, from man. academy to college? What was the biggest difference? Yes. Biggest difference is definitely the speed of the game. You're playing against grown men now. I was 18 years or 17 actually going into college. So I get in there. Of course, I'm. you're the man in high school. You're the man in your academy team. That's why you get to college. You get there and you're now you're competing against everybody who was the man from their high schools. And not only that, you're going against seniors who are four years older than you. And it's a big difference when you're playing against, you know, guys who are four years older than you, than yourself, if that makes sense. So, you know, I had to get used to not just the speed of the game where the guys are just running past it. You're the fastest on your team. I guarantee you there's at least five guys on your college team. And in the conference, 20 guys that are faster than you. You know what I mean? (laughs) So it's being... And the college is very physical. This is why I say I said earlier I didn't learn the game of soccer from a center back until I turned as a pro. Because as from a college standpoint, unless you go to a top ACC school, Maryland, Wake Forest, like UCLA that plays good soccer, most of the other mid-majors are playing like direct ball, fight for the game, scrapping, scrapping style. Like it's very ugly soccer. And that's, to be honest, like we won the A-10s, but if we didn't have nine seniors on that field, we probably wouldn't have won, if that makes sense. So – when we played at Mason, we were playing a lot more direct balls. We were playing uh, – we, we were past a little bit, but we were basically fighting for our wins. So, yes, I learned how to be very physical. I learned how to use my body. That's the biggest difference in college is very, very physical. Like, guys are going to use their shoulder and body. And yes, they put emphasis on lifting there, but you got to be physical in the college game and very athletic. 
Um, that's that's definitely was an eye opener for me because I thought I was I'm six four. I thought I was the fastest already. I thought I was the strongest <laughs> already. I get there and I got bumped around and I got yelled at and I definitely got bodied a lot. And that just makes you stronger as a freshman and kind of earn your stripes kind of thing and makes you better. Yeah, yeah, that's that's awesome. Would you say that going into college you relied a lot more on your speed and your your height rather than just thinking ahead and being like man I should probably prepare for this at that yep. young age I'll, I'll be completely honest uh, I more so relied on the physical aspects yes that was more of the technical side of the game in college I definitely had to learn you know the one touch two touch my first touch had to get a lot better I was I won't lie I was pretty raw coming out of high school to college just because I was 6'4 as a striker. I really didn't have to work on a technical game that much. And then I get to college and I wasn't like that. So I had to definitely, even the little things like playing the two-touch game with your friends, like that is a very good technical game that you don't realize is going to increase your technical abilities. Like playing mm -hmm. those games after practices and stuff, they're games, but they're very in important to your um, technical success. So I did that a bunch of times with my friends. I'm talking about being in college dorm rooms, hallways, or outside in the grass. We're all just playing two-touch and in the middle of the hallway kind of thing. And those kind of games like increase my technical abilities, but definitely I wish my, so because of that, because of the transition to a center back, my work ethic was very, and still now my work ethic, you know, by myself is very strong after training. I'm practicing with my coaches and players, but I didn't do that in college all the time, to be honest. I wish I really did after practices or show up an hour before. Now I show up an hour before practices. I'm getting my touches in with the coach. I, did that in college, but not on my own terms kind of thing. Like an assistant coach would be like, I need you guys here after practice. I need you guys to stay kind of thing. I'm like, yes, I did it. But it wasn't me telling the coach, like, I want to stay after practice kind of thing. It's more so me and my boys getting together and we would train kind of thing. But I didn't put too much time into um, training after practice by myself, if that makes sense. Um, no, it makes and, and, and then again, in college too, like you, I had college courses. You got classes after practice. You know, you have to walk camp. I have to walk campuses. My campus is pretty big for like thirty minutes, just a class kind of thing. So you have to you have to balance that that whole aspect. And a lot of lot of top recruits, college college is an animal, and not just in soccer. The whole college aspect of partying, you know, hanging out, the the drinking, like all that. Like I've had some a lot of my boys. My recruiting class was top thirteenth in the country. And I'm the only one that's a pearl still. And a lot of my boys, and I was out of nine kids, a lot of my boys because of the college system just got ate up and didn't pan out, you know? And not just at my school, at West Virginia, Maryland, the top schools. Like, I know a bunch of boys are on the U17 national team and go to college and because of the partying and everything, you just get eaten up and you don't, you know, pan out. So you really have to balance a lot of your life and figure out what you really want and figure out mentally trying to stay focused on that. So that, that actually is my next question. How did you balance, how did Hugh Roberts balance the college life where it includes the courses, the drinking, the girls, the, the friends with college soccer and then your long-term goal? Like what went through your mind? How did you balance it? So my long-term goal is still to be in the national team, MLS, and, you know, the dreams of being a professional athlete. That's underlined the main mission of what I was doing so I kept that on the forefront you know and that was is that the that, that was that was your dream in college too and since I was a little boy you know okay so okay. that has always been the fuel to get me going but I, I'm not gonna lie to you like we had a soccer house in college like we threw parties we threw bangers like we had a great college scene as well 
But the underlying message for me was like, I'm always, I'm here for soccer. I wanted to be the best soccer player. I wanted to be a pro. So no matter how, you know, if I partied on a Saturday, I would never let that interfere with my practices and my games because I was so determined to make it out, if that makes sense. So like, I just knew at the end of the day, like whatever I have my fun, I have to do well in practice. I have to do well in my games. Like if I had a good time, like we can celebrate whatever, but I would be, excuse my language, but I would be damned if I came to the game the next day and I had a bad game in front of my parents, in front of scouts, in front of everybody, just because I partied. Like, yes, it's, it's a good aspect. And yes, I pushed through it. A bunch of games, like whatever. We, we might've hung out the night before to three o'clock in the morning. And then you, of course you're tired, but I'm pushing through that because me mentally, I'm just so determined to make it out kind of thing, if that makes sense. So like, I would never, even if I did hang out, I would make sure I'm drinking my water, eating fruit, whatever I have to do to balance that, to wake myself up, to make sure I'm ready for practice. Because at the end of the day, I wanted to be a pro athlete and I wanted to fuel, I needed that fuel to get me here to this day. So, you know, regardless of all the fun that I did had, I knew I wanted to be a pro and ultimately, you know, how to use that mentality to push myself regardless of whatever circumstances were around me kind of thing, regardless of even my friends going downhill kind of thing, your friends play a big role, but you just have to stay committed to your grind and your journey too. no matter how many times your boys are falling off and messing up. Like you just have to stay committed to your own path. And that's what I kind of did. Yeah. I think it's really important that, you know, regardless of the decisions that you might make the day before, whether they're good or bad, you still got to show up the next day, regardless, right? right no right, matter seriously. what you got to show up, seriously. especially if you got that, you know, goal of becoming professional goal of becoming whatever it is. Like if it's clear in your mind, like nothing ever should interfere with it, man. Yes, for real. So Hugh, after college, you graduate and then you don't get drafted straight out of college. Did that affect you in any way? Yeah, it sucked. America in this game is political in a sense where you need accolades, you need first teams, you need player of the years, you need this and that. So my senior year going into, we won the A-10s, but I wasn't, I didn't get any kind of award, first team, second team or anything. I did make all tournament team after we won the A-10s, but in terms of the regular season, I didn't get any awards. So of course, in the back of my mind, I'm like, man, this is messed up. Like we were top 10 defensive teams in the whole country. Like, why didn't I get anything? Like, But I'm more so upset because I knew accolades would be a an important role for me to get drafted, if that makes sense. Like if it, if it wasn't that big of a deal, I wouldn't have cared at all because mm-hmm. I knew my talent I knew who I was, but I knew as a, in America, they just love the, the, the statistics and they love the accolades. So I knew I, since I didn't get anything, it'd be much harder for me. But as much as it did suck, I knew also players who did get drafted and weren't as talented as me. And I see it all the time, even in the MLS or whatever, like you're, there's always players that you know that aren't as talented as you, you like you just have to prove that thing so yes I didn't get drafted yes those boys who might not have been as good as me got picked up or whatever but if they can do it I can do it that's the way I thought thought about it like if they can be in the MLS and show I, there's no way that I can't show that so I have to get better myself I, have to, I might have to go the longer route but I will get to the point where when I'm there I'll be ready and I'll be able to show you that I'm just as good as so-and-so that makes sense no, I love that you mentioned that because, you know, when you when you tell when you answer the question I'm asking you, it's kind of like you walk us through what you would say to yourself. Mm-hmm. Right. So I feel like you're really big on self-talk, self-motivation, self-boosting. Like funny. you're really big on that. Just from this conversation, I can mm-hmm. I notice that right away, you know, 
you're like talking in third person but answering the question at the same time like that's that's awesome but i i completely agree with you if you're seeing you know success around you and then you look at yourself like there's two things that you can either say to yourself you either say ah oh, whatever like they deserved it or you can say no if they can do it i can do it too mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. it was just their time to shine yours mm-hmm. is gonna come mm-hmm. at a later date right bro so everybody has man. their own path timing bro timing is insane and we get so caught up especially when we were young we want the dreams now we want to touch the same stardom like that was me to a t of course but you have to understand that everyone's timing different i'm talking about the boys that i saw already in the mls and now in like league one or now less than positions of me because you know like i said they might not have been as talented and they just at the end of the day the cream always rises to the top at the end of the day people are always going to get exposed for how bad or how good they really are you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. like you're really gonna see every year a year can change your life and that's what i held on to and like you're right like you said already the self-motivation man people might think it's weird to talk to yourself or whatever but you have to bro in order oh, for man. you to be successful like you really have to talk to yourself and get yourself through this because really just you versus you in this world exactly 100 so hugh then after college you go pro you know you, you, you mentioned earlier that you went to multiple tryouts they didn't, they didn't want you. They cut you. You finally signed your professional contract. What went through your moment? What went through your mind the moment that you put pen to paper or the moment that they said, yes, Hugh, we want you? It was a relief. Funny story with all that was, so I was trying out for Richmond. I'm commuting from school, actually. So D- George Mason's right outside D.C. I'm commuting to Richmond, Virginia in an hour and a half four times a week, every day, I'm back and forth. And I'm like, listen, bro, like this is killing my pockets. I'm in college, I'm a senior in college. Like <laughs> you have to know by now. So after two weeks, Charlotte Eagles, who was the Charlotte Independence at the time, this is before they switched to the Independence. The Charlotte Eagles are actually interested in me as well. So let's say it was on a Monday, I was supposed to come down. Um, Richmond was supposed to come to a decision by this weekend. So let's say this Sunday came around, I get the call, I'm on the college campus of my boys. And I actually just finished working out and I get the call and the coach is like, he wasn't like, yo, like we want to sign you kind of thing. He was like, listen, like, you know, we're interested, but to be honest with you, we don't really have a lot of money. So if you want to go somewhere else, like feel free to go down to Charlotte or wherever you want to go. And I was like, damn, I was like, listen, coach, like Charlotte. So Charlotte Eagles, um, they really don't have a lot of money either. They're more of like a faithful Christian based organization. So they, they already told me before, like, listen, like, if you have another offer, take it because if you come to Charlotte, it's not going to be for a lot of money. So I told that coach, I was like, listen, like, I'm going to go to Charlotte on Monday. But they told me already the same thing. Like, they don't have a lot of money. If I have another offer, take it. So he was he thought about it for like 10 seconds. It was, it was silent. He was like, all right, you know what? We'll just offer you. Like, here's your contract. Like, we're so we're so proud of you kind of thing. So it was a relief, man. It's just like little signs like that keep you going it's like a sign like that. It's like okay this is meant for meant for me it's meant for me like this is my thing and i'm someone that also reads into signs if i didn't get that i have my college degree who knows i might be on a different path who knows down the road if i didn't i think it's harder to maintain a contract than earn your first contract you can earn your first contract which is great but how are you going to maintain it in that pro status over the next year which means you have to do well each and every year because it's the only way you can get your contract picked up, not from that same club or from a different club, is if you do well every year. So you have to do well every year to the point where your contract is going to get picked up by somebody, which is very tough. So 
Yeah, bro. Yeah, bro. It was, it was a great relief, man. <laughs> uh, and it really showed me that, you know, this is for me kind of thing. And it just started the whole journey. That's awesome, Hugh. So just to wrap things up, you know, it's 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 been amazing how your whole journey has been as a professional player. But I know outside of football, I know you currently you're, you're running a podcast, Backyard Footy. If you want to touch a little bit on, on that. You know, if you're running any other businesses, what else are you doing outside the life of a professional footballer? Yeah, so you touched on it. I started my own podcast called Backyard Footy um, 2018, three years ago now. I was literally sitting on my couch watching ESPN. We all watch ESPN. I'm seeing these analysts never talk about soccer. They always showcase the European game, but they laugh about it. And they never show anything about the MLS. So I'm like, why not use my experience and highlight behind the scenes what was really going on? So I moved to Pittsburgh. I knew everybody kind of at least one person on the East Coast teams. So I was like, why not get the guys when they come to me and play me in Pittsburgh to come to my apartment and just interview them. So that's how I got that going. Got a great you know, feedback and great support because no pro is really sharing their insight like that and their journeys. So then through the whole movement this past year with the Black Lives Matter, you know, everything that's been going on, I kind of brought players together and highlighted our struggles on being black playing soccer in this country, being a minority that caught great win. I'm talking about where an MLS club FC Cincinnati donated 250 K to local minorities based off my podcast episodes, because players were venting their frustrations and stuff. So, and through that, I created my own foundation where I'm donating to local charities here in Charlotte as well. So it's been kind of more than just a podcast. It's kind of a brand now I'm creating apparel I'm actually, I just started my first footy academy starting next weekend where I'm doing a mentorship program for the youth, kind of sharing my journeys and experiences, guiding them through the nutrition, academic aspect, and just everything about soccer, really. And, you know, I want the youth to be able to use me as a guide for their success as well, too. So kind of now preparing myself for off the field and after my career with the brand, um, just getting ready from, from that business side to you know, hopefully, ideally, use that company to fuel me after my career. That's amazing, man. Hey, congratulations on all those accomplishments, accomplishments you, and all those achievements. That's that's amazing that, you know, you're doing work off the field, too. You know what I mean? And it, it's crazy yeah. how the same mentality you have as a soccer player can directly translate to the business side, right? Bro, yes, bro. We're, we're more than an athlete. We're not just someone who just kicks a ball, you know, plays whatever, like, we we're very resourceful, so we need to use our resources and figure out some kind of stitch for us more than just someone who kicks a ball, you know? So preparing yourself at any point in your career is very, very important. Exactly, exactly. All right, Hugh. Well, I always end the podcast with a few questions, just quick, quick questions, whatever comes to mind as an answer, first thing, okay? So mm -hmm. my first question for you is, what advice would you give a teenage Hugh Roberts? Hmm. Stay patient. Stay patient. Stay patient. I know you want the MLS or the contract tomorrow, but it's a long journey for a reason. It's only going to make you better. So just stay patient. What are three rules that you use in your everyday life? Um, it's a good question. Find something that's going to impact your day. Um, that can be, you know, whatever work you do, or it could be within your relationship with your significant other or your family or something, but find something that you're going to make the most out of your day. Um, 
do some kind of exercise health wise. It doesn't necessarily be like running outside or anything, but just like, you know, eating right. That's, that's very big into your, not just career, but your life. You have to be able to, you know, the nutrition you put in your body is very important. And definitely do something that's going to impact your life for tomorrow too. That could be reading a book, that can be researching something that you're intrigued about, but set yourself up for your future as well. So I try to do some those three things daily to improve myself every day. Love that. So far from everything you've experienced on and off the field, what would you say is your biggest lesson that you've learned? There's really just you versus you out here in this world, out here in this grind as a professional and everything you do is you versus you. I'm talking about even when, you know, you think you suck, it's always you beating yourself down in your head mentally after a bad game. It's always you. Of course, the coach cuts you and it sucks and it hurts. But how are you going to take that? Are you going to beat yourself down or are you going to use that as fuel? So again, that's really come down to you and your mentality. It could be within your work. You want a promotion or something like, of course, you're upset that so-and-so got it over you. So are you going to pout about it or are you going to use that as fuel? Like in everything you do, you're you're upset you don't have a lot of money. Okay, well, are you just going to sit on your couch about it or are you actually going to do research yourself, educate yourself, get better? So next year I create a business and I start getting this stuff started, you know, like in every way, if you're upset about your fitness and stuff, like again, like how bad do you want it? How bad do you want to work out every day? Like, you know, like we think we can get, of course, you can hire coaches, you can hire a financial advisor for stocks and do all these things, but why not save your money and just educate yourself and make yourself that platform so you can better yourself. You know what I mean? You don't need everyone else. They're just going to tell you the same things almost every time and you're going to start wasting your money. And ultimately it's really just going to come down to you waking yourself up every day and getting ready and just preparing yourself. Yep. Yep. Where do you see yourself in the next five years? Next five years, I'm 28 now, probably I'll be 33 then. So um, have a little family, ideally have Backyard Footy become a, a company. Uh, I want to start my own actual academy or a club team where I'm helping kids. As long as you're talented, give you a scholarship, you play soccer for free kind of thing. That's what's missing in this game. The pay to play, the pay to play system has been hurting us for this whole game in decades. So I want to make that cost efficient wise and, you know, I touch the MLS. It's still a dreams of mine. I'm Jamaican, so I love to play for the national team and stuff like that. So, you know, I'm still climbing to reach the top. Are you happy? Very happy. You know, that's that's the biggest thing ultimately, right? Do what you love and do things that are going to make you happy. And that's a good question because sometimes you can get caught up in this grind and it kind of takes your happiness and joy away. So I am happy, though, still. I, I think I found a home out here in Charlotte. I've been enjoying it here and enjoying my time. So. Yeah, I am happy, man. Thanks for asking. I appreciate it. Awesome. That. Hey, Hugh, thank you so much for your time. It was awesome listening to your story, your experiences. All the advice that you gave was amazing. Um, and for everybody listening, guys, remember, this is the Winner Circle by Grande Sports Training, where we dive deep into the mindset of professional soccer players. Be on the lookout for the next episode. And until the next one, thank you. Of course, my man. Take you, talk to you soon.